Hi, I'm your host, Rowan Tonkin, and welcome to Being Planful, the show for FPNA leaders and planning experts. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to Being Planful. I'm really pleased today to be joined by Dave Smith uh, of Inflow Analysis. Welcome, Dave. Uh, thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, Dave, uh, you're one of the esteemed analysts uh, out there in the analyst community. You're talking to customers and tech vendors uh, alike, you know, all day, every day. I imagine your world changed a little bit last year, and I'm sure we can talk about that in a, in a, in a few moments. What I'd love, um, I'd love for you to describe to the audience what it is that you do and a little bit about, about your background. Funny, what I do, it's so funny. Like my, my friends and family that still cannot really uh, rightfully describe what it is I do. You know, some of my friends think I'm in the CIA. They're like, yeah, you went to China. He went to, you know, <laughs> he's yeah. to Australia. It's like, why are you trying You're in the CIA, dude. But yeah, so basically, you know, I've been an analyst, gosh, for 20 years now, right? I mean, I've, I've been in, in this field. I started at Gartner, actually. And, uh, you know, from my days at, actually, almost really, from my days at Gartner, I, I believe that I covered email. My first beat, first gig was covering email. And then, you know, yeah, Lotus Notes. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. So I'm dating myself, right? <laughs> you know, but um, so from covering that, I began to cover the overall collaboration market on a whole. So instant messaging, unified communications. And then my journey took me into how do how does that stuff, how does collaboration communications enable business processes? So then I began to get back into lines of business stuff. So what does collaboration mean for sales, marketing, you know, HR, you know, planners and so forth. So it allowed me to um, move from just being a geek, so to speak, into yeah. what does the technology actually mean for people, right? And how does that enable people so I get their jobs done? Yeah, that's awesome. And obviously, with all of that travel and all of that, you know, conversing with different organizations, you get to, you know, a unique view on what that market and, and what kind of technology means to organizations. Obviously, we have a, a very kind of FPNA minded audience, finance minded audience. Mm -hmm. And I would say that collaboration technology has, um, is only really emerging in that space. Yeah, you know, so funny for years as I've covered this space, I, you know, I've been preaching the benefits, you know, of video and, you know, team collaboration and messaging and so forth. And it took a pandemic, Roman, you know, and <laughs> oh yeah, we, we need this stuff. Yeah, video could actually help me connect with my team, you know, my, my, my grandma, right. You know, it can yeah. help my kids with distance learning in school. So it, we began to see that, you know, what we were preaching with digital transformation that we, you know, with all these books about it and, you know, we've, we've had conferences and all these experts, digital transformation experts, we hired them for, you know, how many, you know, amount of money per hour. They didn't predict none of this, but overnight we saw a transformation literally happen when people's behaviors just changed and they needed video. They needed the tools to connect and communicate. And so it was, you know, it was digital transformation by, by fire. <laughs> yeah. And, and um, not because of any other reason, but it was also not just digital transformation by fire, but it was digital and remote transformation. Yes, yes, yes. And that's yes. what I think, like some of us, you know, when we talk about, you know, in, in the tech industry per se, it was like, oh yeah, digital transformation, it's been coming for ages. Well, now it just happened. No one yeah. was expecting it to do it from home. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, and so, I mean, I, I remember even at the onset of this, I remember people were like, you know, 
that were forced to work from home that didn't work from home before and they were worried about their environment and what it looked like and they're like you know i'd have professional lighting and it was like it's okay because i think we all began to realize that we're in unprecedented times like give yourself a break it's okay if the dog was my dog was just barking it's okay if the kids walk in it's like this is life, man, relax, you know? So I think there was this empathy that everyone began to have almost across the board, which led to the transformation and the behavior changes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, when we talk about, um, you know, th that acceleration of digital transformation here at Planful, like one of the things that we talk about is, you know, finance haven't, you know, many finance organizations didn't think you could close the books without being together in the office, you know, at month end, at quarter end, at year end. And, you know, that most companies have been through three close cycles, many months of <laughs> close cycles, yeah, and they yeah. still haven't been in the office together. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, think of engineering team. I mean, we're here in the Bay Area, you know, the heart of tech, right? Think of engineering teams who are used to, you know, being, you know, in in room together, you know, on whiteboards and, and planning and I mean, this must be crazy. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, thankfully, I've got a whiteboard beside me, but no one else can see it. It's just <laughs> yeah. scribble right now, show notes and things like that. So, um, you know, Dave, when when you um, when you think back, like, what is the one thing that 2020 delivered that you hope stays? You know, I think it delivered. Funny, I, I mentioned a few seconds ago was empathy. You know, <laughs> uh, beyond just you know, the ability that companies you know saw that hey. You could get things done by people working remotely. Me being from Gardner, gosh, I've been remote working, gosh, Rowan, for, for years. I mean, my kids now, all they've known is daddy works from home. You know, yeah. they've never, you know, seen me in, in an office. They've just seen me home. And so, you know, and I remember there was a stigma with remote work, you know, years ago where it's like, yeah, they're just slacking off. You know, <laughs> and yeah. I'm running the dishwasher sometimes, you know, I'm doing the laundry, I'm running school pickup. I'm, I'm, I am doing all that. I, you know, but, you know, I'm getting work done as well, too. But I think that this whole stigma, no, you can actually, if people are empowered with the resources and so forth, they can get a lot of work done. You know, they can miss out on traffic and actually spend more time. We're actually the the detriment to it all was i think i began to you know uh, work a little too much right you know yeah, yeah. you know you're working into the night you're not realizing oh my god have the kids eaten today right and it's yeah <laughs> over overcompensating you know trying to get more output you know for some organizations that aren't used yeah. to i i worked remotely for for almost a decade so i was kind of to me this was a return to normality my dog thought it was the best thing ever he's like Man, you used to work from home all the time, yeah. and then you went and started back at an office, and I never saw you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, great! The good old days. You know, these yeah. are back for me. So he he's really happy about this whole work from home situation. And um, absolutely. Yeah, you know, the, the empathy. Um, I think is probably the the one thing that I would say I, I want to stay. Right. I think that's mm -hmm. been a huge shift this year is like you know, the way that we um, leaders are leading with empathy, um, organizations are talking about empathy more. Um, yeah. And, you know, even, you know, for someone like me who's in marketing, right? Our marketing has been more empathetic, right? We're, we're trying to meet customers where they are, understanding their challenges. And that's had, you know, I think a profound um, shift yeah. for many organizations. Yeah, it's funny because I had a conversation this week with, uh, with a, a, a lady who's a VP of people, right? And you know, it, it, it dawned on me while talking with her, I'm like, wow, we're all in the people business, you know, whether it's marketing, you know, 
looking at ex external stuff for it's you know uh, HR leaders you know internal stuff we're all in the people business and so that degree of empathy is so important because as you're dealing you know whether it's you know marketing with, with customers you know how do you help them experience your brand better you know for yeah. employees how do you help them experience the workplace better so we're all in this sort of people business yeah, and so speaking of people and 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 the workforce, right? That's obviously where you know your your emergence from email and then into collaboration. <laughs> you, you spend a lot of time talking to people leaders. Yeah, talk about um, some of the trends that you're seeing with those VPs of people right now, where they've got yeah. a remote workforce. Um, and you know, do you believe that to be continuing as a trend? And then, what does that mean for you know some of our audience in in yeah. finance? You know, what should they be expecting from from their people teams? No, yeah, I mean it's funny because you know this whole thing. You know, it, it's funny thing about workforce planning in this climate. You know, from last year, it's almost like an oxymoron, right? You know, how do you plan for, <laughs> for, yeah. for this stuff? But but even but in the heat of that, you actually now need to be even more proactive than ever. How do you begin mm -hmm. to now anticipate? You know where the workforce is going. I mean, do we, you know, obviously we're going to have a mix of, you know, hybrid and, 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 and you know, with, in the office and, 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 and remote. And so I think, you know, implementing sort of a, a strategic workforce planning, you know, mm -hmm. companies can sort of build out, you know, a comprehensive talent management process that support both HR objectives and the needs of their employees. So that the whole notion of the, the whole people business, you know, piece mm -hmm. of it, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, during the hiring, you know, training and, and the talent, talent development, you know, parts of that. So I think, you know, it, it's, it's a way for HR leaders, you know, managers and planners sort of create a roadmap, you know, for, you know, for, for key uh, things like, you know, aligning hiring goals, you know, with long-term needs, you know, assigning implementation, right. And, and, and follow through responsibilities, you know, to the right leadership, you know, from executive, you know, send the strategy, you know, from, from the top down to choosing your best managers to sort of guide, guide, guide that process, you know, the training, right. And so forth. So, you know, retention, so building the company culture as again, mm -hmm. as we focus on people. So all these things, HR leads have to build down a roadmap for that. And the planning piece of that is, is more so than just a numbers and analysis thing. And funny, one thing I've always learned from you, even with FP&A stuff is like the data, you know, the analysis tells a story, right? So what's the story behind uh, the planning, the, the behind the data that's going to uh, inform the planning. And so that's, that's going to be key, I think, for, for HR uh, practitioners. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, you know, like one of the things that that, that kind of story element drives mm -hmm. is, you know, there's a lot of hidden insights, if you will, mm -hmm. for, for chief people officers and VPs of people that the numbers often don't tell or they're very siloed. You know, if you yeah. think about looking at it, if an FP&A leader was looking at a headcount roster, for example, um, yeah. they might say, wow, there's a lot of turnover in that team uh, for yeah. whatever reason. Uh, you know, you might not then join that up with engagement survey data or other types of data to, mm -hmm. to really understand the sentiment behind why that may be. Is it a manager? Is it a department yeah. that's going through a big transformation? All of those things. And I think that's where finance and, and HR teams can really um, join together to, to help, mm -hmm. you know, People teams yeah. don't generally have the analysis people on their teams, right? So that's where yeah, they need yeah. to lean on 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 FPNA leaders that we're talking to to help them do that. Yeah. And and it's funny because as you look at what workforce planning does, you know, you're 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 trying to identify, you know, what you need, right, and how you want your workforce to evolve. And a part of that is all about skill sets, right? 
And a part of that skill set that's needed is the financial planning side of it. You know, like how do you sort of marry that together? So it's not just about, you know, from the recruiting standpoint, skill set is what skills do you need across the business to aid that plan? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think in addition to that, one of the things that um, we've certainly seen from FPA teams is mm-hmm. the cycle time reductions of information have gone mm-hmm. from, you know, classic monthly to weekly, weekly to daily. And, you know, people teams have had to adjust to that. Like, you know, uh, certainly here at Planful, we start every executive management team meeting with a team wellness update. Um, We weren't doing that 18 months ago, Uh, (laughs) right? But, you know, we're we're talking a lot, you know, empathy. Again, we're talking a lot about the empathy of understanding where our team's at, where our managers are at, not only from a health and safety perspective, but from a mood perspective. So we know the sentiment of the team yeah. But when you think about, you know, HR professionals, their cycle times have rapidly increased with their need to organize and, and how Absolutely. are teams doing that? Yeah, well, exactly. And, and that's where, you know, the, the understanding, uh, having business partners in different areas of the business becomes so important. You know, my, my wife now, she's an HR, you know, a, a manager at, at a tech company here in the Bay. And so I probably hear a conversation I probably shouldn't be hearing. But you got those sweet earphones on. Exactly. Yeah, you know, like these clear boys here, you know. But, you know, but it's a matter of how do you align, you know, with different parts of the business to really have an understanding and to identify what's needed, what the problems are, how are people experienced in the workplace and what you need to do from a planning perspective to, you know, sort of focus on their needs and their development. And, and, and again, focusing on on the culture. So yeah, it, it becomes critical that there be a, a sort of an analysis of the sentiment of the organization and the pulse of the organization. And so that feedback loop becomes important and it's, it, it, it's frequent feedback is needed. Yeah, so I, I would think, you know, the, the advice that I would certainly give to, to FP&A professionals is, is to think beyond the numbers, right? To yeah. think about some of the more emotive elements, right, of, of what's happening mm-hmm. in HR organizations. And, yeah. and you know, that, that word empathy is something that I think we're hearing a lot about. What would, yeah. be, what would be your predictions for 2021 and knowing that whatever you predict is going to be wrong? Because, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm sure we, we started uh, last year with some <laughs> predictions and they're definitely oh, wrong. Yeah. It's so funny. So my my running mantra for this year has been like, I don't want to hear any predictions from anyone unless you were able to predict last year. <laughs> if you were to predict last year, I am all ears because you clearly have the pulse on on God, the universe, and whatever it is. <laughs> but you know, but now, yeah, I think definitely this year. It's funny. I think we'll see this year. You know, more so this 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 one this this, this hybrid approach. I think right to work or, or an attempt to and it's going to depend obviously on you know uh uh uh, uh health you know uh, and mm-hmm. the vaccine and, and therapies and so forth and how how that rollout happens but i think we'll see an attempt to sort of try to get back to normal by the latter half of the year but i think a lot of what we're talking about that empathy piece is definitely going to play a role because as you mentioned we're seeing a lot more now focus on people's well-being prioritizing mental health. And so we'll see, we're going to see people having the option and the flexibility to sort of work where and how they want to work. And so the, the, the hybrid scenario is going to come mostly from not just companies forcing it, but how people actually want to work. So their desires and their needs and how they want to work, I think is going to take preeminence over anything else. Yeah. And how would you see that balance with, um, you know, 
I think I've heard a lot recently where CEOs have come out and said, mm. you know what? I was wrong. Yeah. You know, not everyone has to be in the office. You know, yeah. we're going to go to a remote first organization. But, I, you know, there's probably another, you know, maybe this is the silent majority or they may be silent right now. Yeah. But, you know, organizations that believe actually, no, we still believe in, in offices and we you know how how would those organizations try and plan for that from a collaboration perspective gosh i mean so for instance i brought up before you know that engineering team you know who's used to you know meeting and just going at it on the whiteboard i mean i could see them going back you know and Mm -hmm. wanting to because it's certain nature of different types of work and what you do and and creativity and innovation will require you know different you know sort of uh, 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 logistics and maybe that that'll be in person right and there's some things where you can be remote so I think yeah I think it'll it'll sort of move to where people will realize that yeah, what can be done you know remote Let, let's let's let it be done remote but I don't think we're going to see companies forced matter of fact I'm seeing companies here in the bay you know chatter and so forth are saying that hey we may um, continue remote through the rest of 2021. So I, mm-hmm. I'm hearing that chatter. And then I'm also hearing some that who are planning to, to come back in the office you know, for, you know, partially back in the office. So I'm hearing mixed mixed things, but yeah, some of the major companies I'm hearing this, you know, saying they're gonna still try to be remote throughout 2021, which is interesting. Yeah. And so maybe less um, related to current events. Well, it's probably current anyway, but mm-hmm. like when we think about enterprise software and we think about collaboration, Mm-hmm. A lot of um, a lot of us think about collaboration as you know Slack and Microsoft Teams and yeah. other you know communication Zoom right. We're on a Zoom right now. They think about those types of tools. Do you want to talk about how you're seeing collaboration being embedded into enterprise software and what some of the trends you're seeing there? Yeah, you know, so one of the things, and it's funny we've been seeing this, and I've been writing about this back from back from my Gartner days. But we are seeing this, you know, this move towards okay, how do you look at technology from the sort of architecture approach, right, and look at it as solutions, right? And so you saw, you know, or the Salesforce acquiring, you know, Slack, right? You're seeing all these different actions, these moves of companies who are started out with in different fields, you know, like Oracle and so forth, you know, more, mm-hmm. you know, enterprise software adding these adjacencies via collaboration to enable the business process. So we're going to see collaboration more so move to how does it impact the business process? And so that's where we see these different companies, you know, who aren't sort of you see your collaboration guys adding those adjacencies via acquisitions or trying to, you know, do some homegrown stuff. So I think we're going to see how collaboration begins to enable business processes even more. It's been promised for a while. For, I, got, I remember when I first started covering some of the stuff we, we used to call, I had had an acronym CVP, uh, Communications Enabled Business Processes, but we never saw that because if you, you have your SAP you know, system, right? That's that's on-premise and, and your Microsoft or Cisco UC system, never the twain mm-hmm. shall meet because there's no interoperability there, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So now with the era of the cloud, the ability to, you know, to sort of open APIs and, and, and integrate, we're going to see a lot more of that integration. So, you know, I think more so FP's falling off here, <laughs> you know, but uh, so more so we'll see the companies or tech providers now looking at how they can open their platforms even more, you know, via APIs mm-hmm. to integrate and business process uh, 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 t- tech providers, software vendors, we're going to see them open their platforms as well to, to integrate with, with the Zooms and, and the Ring Centrals and so forth. So we're going to see more tighter integration of collaboration capabilities within business processes, either from the same company or with open architectures where everyone can sort of, you know, with an open ecosystem begin to uh, 
place their best within different uh, uh, platform systems. And, and so from sitting back from your perspective, having kind of observed this market for 20 years, right? What's the change? Is it the cloud? Is it APIs? Is it um, compute power? Yeah, yeah, I think um, we're, we're moving towards simplicity. And I think it's, it's everything you just said, actually. It's all of that, right? It's yeah. the cloud it is enabling it, APIs and so forth. But it's like, how do you sort of take away that layer of abstraction from the user, right? Mm -hmm. Even, gosh, even in the stuff that we cover with workforce planning and HR, there's a whole move towards, you know, employee experience platforms, which is the same thing. It's, it's, it's a glorified portal that's ab abstracting away all the, you know, the typical HR processes, the tech the systems, yeah. and just surfacing a simple to use user interface that people can access everything they need, do what they need, get their benefits, you know, to, to do everything that they need right in the simple sort of portal, you know, based uh, process, uh, 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 interface. And so we're seeing the same thing now with business processes, you know, how do you begin to, you know, for instance, like a CRM process, you know, you want to surface up, you know, details about a customer and enable with a click, with one click, communication with your sales team and with that customer with all the information needed to help that customer if it's a support situation so you know we're, we're seeing a lot of that now begin to uh via apis the cloud and so forth how do you enable these processes with technology and so take away this the uh the, the friction or the complexities from the user and they just do what they need to do sort of an extension of what they do without worrying about what's behind, what's under the hood of the car yeah, and, and I think, you know, uh, coming back to that word empathy again, it's right, understanding what the user is actually trying to achieve. And, I, you know, exactly. from, from a, a software provider perspective, it's like, well, now we, we can do that in a way that um, provides a lot more value than maybe we historically could have because of the open API architectures, the nature exactly. of, you know, organizations have moved more of their core systems from on-premise to the cloud which yeah. actually supports that whole that whole capability yeah. for the more modern, newer vendors that are cloud first. Yeah, exactly. And so what I'm seeing and how I've sort of been, been looking at it is that we're seeing the move towards the experience of things. And, mm -hmm. and so I look at three pillars of that, right? There's like the employee experience, right? The custom experience, and then there's the ecosystem experience, right? And those three things are, are sort of inextricably linked with each other because the, the ecosystem piece, we're talking about the APIs and the, the, open, the open platforms, that's allowing the, the ability to bring in different capabilities within you know, different you know, uh, uh, platforms to give you more of a solution mindset, right? So it's not about you know, an HR you know, system, but what, what's the recruiting solution, right? You know, what's mm -hmm. the solution you know, for, you know, for, for training and learning? And so if you approach from a solution mindset, it doesn't matter who the vendor is per se, it's giving me the solution to get my job done. And so that then enables the employee experience, but then has an impact on the customer experience. So it's a sort of trinity of experiences that for lack of a better term, I'm calling the experience of things, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, we see that manifesting uh, in, in different ways. You know, we're, we're obviously talking about workforce planning and, yeah. and finance, right? But if you think about that end-to-end -end process, it's kind of, you know, headcount approval, like planning, budget mm -hmm. approval, all the way through to employee onboarding and engagement and promotion, right? Right, yeah. And the number of tools that it takes to get from budget right. approval through to engagement, satisfaction, mm -hmm. and promotion, you know, there's probably 15 different business applications involved in that process. Exactly. And yeah. we see many organizations that they're not even integrated. And so, exactly. you know, the, the use case of workforce planning, just integrating your 
planning, budgeting, and forecasting tool with your applicant tracking system and your mm. HRIS removes right. a huge amount of friction from that process. Indeed. And if you could do that um, collaboratively, right, then you're starting to really speed up the employee experience, but also yeah, yeah. The, 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 the end kind of ecosystem experience. Absolutely. And it's, it's all, you know, it's all linked together. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, for FP&A professionals, what should they be expecting from, you know, their enterprise applications that they're using mm -hmm. every day with regards to collaboration and, yeah. um, you know, like ecosystem and, and employee experience? Yeah, I think you know, it's sort of what, what we're talking about now. I mean, it's, it's, it's okay if you think through the, the solution mindset, right? And if you're solving for people, right, whether that be, the employee or the or the the customer, right? It's we're seeing now a push or a move towards looking at technology investments, you know, based on okay, how what solution is it providing, whether it's you know for employees or you know or or, or for the customer. And so what solution that I'm going for. So again, whether you know whether it's whoever the vendor is, what's that bunch of applications that can be brought together in an elegant way, you know, via open APIs, architect, so forth that can serve a solution again, whether it's, you know, recruiting or, or what have you. And so we're seeing companies sort of look at technology investments based on that. So whatever you're trying to do or offer to a company, it has to be able to plug in and play nicely with their current environment and current infrastructure. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I mean, the, the plug and play, I think is the most yeah. important part, right? So, yeah. you know, as, as someone who works on the marketing and the sales side, revenue mm -hmm. operations, the plug and play yeah. nature of my ecosystem is, is, is amazing, right? Like we just yeah. drop in a new technology and everything plays nicely with everything else. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, my, my finance peers don't enjoy that. Right. They, they don't get vendors haven't yet provided that plug and play nature for them. Yeah. It's, there's still a lot of friction. And, you know, I, 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 that comes back to your whole ecosystem experience. Right. Yeah, so yeah. can you talk about that for a moment? No, yeah. So I think it's, you know, it's how do you, again, if you, if you go if you think about your ecosystem and think of what, one of the biggest ones that with Salesforce ecosystem, Microsoft, you know, Mm -hmm. We have a bunch of people sort of solving, you know, or trying to sort of plug and play within a particular ecosystem or, or platform. I think, you know, from the workforce and the planning piece of it and finance and so forth is like, you need to be able to have a platform that's open enough, right? And the platform has to be able to have a consistent data aggregation and data analysis piece. That's tiny, mm -hmm. especially for finance, that's going to be the key. I, I think the, how you manage the data piece of it is going to be key. So actually, uh, developed art, I think I've showed you this, this to you before, I've developed architecture that looks at what that would look like from, from an enterprise perspective, where you want to have sort of an, you know, a layer of abstraction that people can access whatever they need to access. But then beneath that layer, right, is all the, the business applications. And then beneath all that is the security layer and the data piece of it, right? So mm -hmm. the content is on the move, it can be accessed from whatever device, but also what can you do with that content, right? Create it. Uh, reap, uh, get insights from that data, right? Perform analysis and so forth. So I think it's looking at this stuff, not you know, not so much from application to application perspective, but looking at the overall architecture of things and how do they work together, right? And, and, and how do they power the people that's actually involved in the business process? So if you, if you look at the architecture, it's people at one layer, the apps that they use, sort of security layer to access those apps, and then mm -hmm. that data, yeah. that data layer as well. 
Yeah, and then you know, at the top end of that layer is is kind of the the analysis, and then the decision making, and the insights yeah. trying to service that, you know, to, exactly. to, to to the people, right? So you know, your you mentioned your wife is a you know she's a people leader. What's the one thing that your wife would would ask of FPNA professionals that they might not be doing today? Oh my God, I think <laughs> it's so funny. So her her role, so she's a. Uh, this is where I get the term business partner from. It's actually, she, she alerted me to this. She was like, you need business partners. Mm-hmm. And they have to be a business partner with the HR or the people organization. It's all, it's all the people. It's, it's, yeah. it's all, you know, HR is not just everything the people organization. I remember being at a, a HR tech conference uh, some years ago and someone got a well-meaning said, it's time to bring the human back into human resources. I'm like, they never left. I mean, I yeah, yeah, yeah. I understood the sentiment, but it was like, they never left. But I think for her, it was like, you know, it's, it's having more so partnership with different parts of the business and finance being one and, and having, you know, more of that sort of seamless partnership. Yeah. And that, that, that makes a hundred percent sense. Uh, you know, even I would say that the FP&A professionals that I host on, on, on this podcast and, and we talk to every day, I think that's certainly one of those elements where they're trying to move away from being a service desk to a strategic partner. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, a lot of what they're trying to do is how can I do that when I'm, you know, bogged down by all of this other stuff, right? Yeah, they haven't yeah, got that yeah, ecosystem yeah. experience that you you articulated yeah, in yeah. their world. So, you know, to to actually become that strategic partner, they have to go and solve for some of that ecosystem experience to exactly. deliver the customer and the people experience that they're looking for. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, what they have, you know, and, and as we're talking about, they, un- they understand the numbers that, and there's a story behind it. And so there's a story to tell. And I think it's better to approach it from, okay, there's a story that's brewing and mm-hmm. here's the story. And, and so it have the conversation around what's actually happening. I think having those honest conversations makes for better business partners and, you know, makes for more empathy as you begin to work with those different, uh, 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 constituents. And so what do you see, um, you know, in all of your, um, your conversations with your customers, and obviously with all the tech vendors, how do you see AI and ML helping, um, you know, drive the the kind of the people experience with enabling to to tell that story? Yeah, so lots of potential in terms of automation and so forth, you know, giving you further insights into the data and, and helping you to learn, you know, have the system learning, you know, from itself. The, the drawback I've been seeing, and, and, and you probably see this a lot too with your customers, is that a lot of companies are starting these AI initiatives with bad data. You know, mm-hmm. the data is not cleansed and it's not aggregated in any sort of elegant way. And so they're, they're yielding, you know, uh, insights that aren't really insights. <laughs> it's <just laughs> lean down, you know, it's lean down like this is not good, you know. And so, and so there needs to be more of a data management approach to looking at the stuff and, and cleaning your data and make sure it's ready to even begin to implement AI. Because mm-hmm. AI is it's not going to, you know, yield anything, you know, that's great if, if, if the data is not, not right. Yeah, already starting with the signal to noise ratio that's very imperfect. Um, exactly. So that's one been, thing I see, though. Yeah. Yeah. Having been on that end, though, I, I think um, you know, from my experience as a as a technologist, one of the the fastest ways to solve for that is you will never know until you actually start trying. So yes. to to me, it's a little bit about you know walking in with the right expectations of your mm-hmm. first AI endeavor 
to know that it's not going to be perfect straight away. And yeah. maybe whatever you're implementing will help you get there. Right. And, yes, and, yes. and, you know, rather than just saying, Oh, well, I've got to do, you know, 12 months of data cleansing and data analysis and, and get yeah, it perfect. Yeah. Just reframe your expectations to say, well, actually I'm going to get started. It's not going to be perfect. Exactly. And I can clean along the way rather than just exactly. you know, pushing it off. Cause you'll be left behind. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have to start, but and 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 so to what you're saying, that's where the 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 honesty and the transparency is going to be so important because once you begin to expose that stuff and expose the ugly and the messes, you know, <laughs> learn from it. But, but no, yeah. but that's how you learn, right? You, you have to expose it. You know, all the biases. You have to bring that stuff to the to the forefront and services in order to like get it better. You're, you're, you're absolutely right on that. I agree. <laughs> yeah what, what do they say you've got to uh you've got to lay the fish on the table or bring the bring the fish out right uh, before exactly. you can actually start doing anything so dave you know this has been a really insightful conversation uh you know what's the what's what would be something that you want to leave the audience with um today in terms of their understanding of what's coming uh for them in this collaboration space you know i would what i would love and probably follow up for you is, is like I would love to sort of, you know, look at your world, right? And seeing, you know, what FP&A, you know, professionals are looking at, you know, from their lens in terms of, you know, collaboration, communications and sort of communication or collaboration enabling business processes, you know, in that way. I would love to kind of learn, learn some of that more because I think there is a lot of synergy, you know, as we move towards, mm -hmm. you know, how do we, you know, sort of, um, you know, partner, uh, whether it's HR and finance or, or what have you, sales, marketing, you know, how do we sort of look at this whole, you know, lens of enterprise, you know, business software from a solutions mindset and, and what that will mean, you know, from a collaborative standpoint. Yeah. So for those folks listening, go reach out to Dave and tell them what you are actually seeing. Uh, <laughs> I'd love, love to hear from you. And I'm sure you'll gain a lot of value, valuable information. Before I leave you though, Dave, I, I always have two questions for my guests. Um, the first question is, um, is a simple one. Who else should I have on the show? Oh my goodness. So, you know, funny, there is, I, I have a, 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 a young lady in mind um, Carolina Milanesi, she was just uh, at CES mm -hmm. and she covers mobility and, 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 and consumer electronics a lot, but she has a good focus and pulse on people and what uh, trends are. And so I, I think she'd be really good to, to speak with. Well, that'd be great. I'll, I'd love the introduction. And then number, number two, what does being planful mean to you? Oh my God. So not to sound cliche, you know, but you know, if you you only plan you know, what plan to fail. If you know what's what's the what's for the I'm thinking of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, you have yeah, you have you have to have a plan, right? Or you're gonna sort of plan plan to fail. And, and I think you know it's it, it's being planful is not so much about being dogmatic and so forth, but it's 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 looking at it from a journey perspective. You know, when you go on a journey, there's just certain things you need. And then a certain thing that you discover you need while you're on the journey. And so that, that's how I, I, I sort of view, view planning. It's stuff you kind of think ahead of time and then realize that I'm going to need some stuff. I'm, you know, I'm going to step on a snake. I'm going to fall down. I'm going to need some stuff in, you know, during the journey as well. So. It's funny, um, Michael Johnson, the famous sprinter, right? The 200 and 400 meter runner. 
he um he has a quote um where he talks about you know he would enter all of his races with a five-point plan right and everyone's like yeah, yeah michael you're, you're a sprinter you don't need a plan yeah and, and his comment back to them is always you ever been grocery shopping without a list <laughs> how'd that work out for you right yeah, like you always come yeah. back with stuff you don't yeah. want you always forget something <laughs> he's like you got to have a plan and you know even when i'm running a 200 meter race it's like you know head down <laughs> out like a bullet yeah. right i am fast and that's that was a plan but uh yeah and i love the michael uh uh, uh the the mike tice quote right it would have punched to the mouth <laughs> but that's what i was like you have a plan, something happens to you, and then yeah. you have to adjust, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, I, I'll, I'll leave with this, which is a lot of organizations I've spoke to is recently is like, it's not about, um, you know, sticking to the plan. It's having multiple plans and managing to them, right? Managing yeah. to, to the various scenarios that you have planned for, right? It's become exactly. scenario management, not planning. It, 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 you know, funny, one of the first things I learned in this analyst business is to have those scenarios, right? So you, you see analysts, you know, back in the day, we used to call them strategic planning assumptions, where you have put a, a probability on, on each yep. one. It's, it's, kind of, it's kind of a CIA. Except <laughs> because like, this can happen, this can happen, and this can happen. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, the good news is we know you're not in the CIA because you've spoken about it too much. Anyone yeah. in the CIA <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't be that overt with it. So absolutely, we can, we can disprove that theory for your friends. <laughs> well, Dave, it was really good to have you on the show. Uh, look forward to speaking with you soon. And, uh, you know, I really hope you uh, have a really enjoyable afternoon. I you as well. Thanks so much. All right. Have a great Thanks, weekend. Thanks, Dave. Cheers. Bye-bye. Make sure you hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for stopping by.